us and turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And tonight I want to do a, a, a spiritual health checkup. Now, if you, you know, those of you who've had children, you know what that's like. I know, uh, you, you know, you have a, the baby's born and you have to take the baby back in real soon for a checkup and they weigh it. And I can remember on some of those uh, occasions, our grandkids especially, uh, they would be told, um, for like Claire, oh, she's underweight or she's whatever. And, of course, they, they use these charts. I, I may be off on that, but some, don't they compare what an average uh, child at that age should be? And so they, they compare it with that and, and try to have some kind of marker to go by. But we know that there has to be regular checkups even before the birth, after the birth, and through the uh, life of the child. But no matter what our age, uh, we need to, to have some checkups. You know, I, I thought about in my own case, I never would have even known that I had uh, cancer or anything if it had not been for just regular uh, uh, physical, having blood work done. And as a Christian, though, I think it's very important for us to have times when we examine our spiritual health and we see where we are spiritually, if we're making progress, if we are developing like we should. That's the whole idea with a physical checkup for a child. We want to make sure that they are developing as they're supposed to be, that everything is normal and right. And so I thought we'd take tonight for this a uh, little bit of a checkup here, a health, spiritual health checkup. But remember, God's Word tells us that in a very real sense, all Christians begin their Christian life, their spiritual life, as babies, and spiritual babies. And so when we accept Christ as our Savior, what, is, what did Jesus, when Nicodemus said, um, you know, talking about how to get to heaven, Jesus said, ye must be what? Born again. And so it, it follows then that just like physical children, once we are born spiritually, we should grow and mature it should alarm us if that's not taking place spiritually and so first uh, peter chapter 2 and verse 2 um yeah you can turn turn over there if you would keep your finger there in ephesians but first peter chapter 2 and verse 2 and it here peter refers to this when it says as newborn babes, this is 1 Peter 2, 2. As newborn babes desire the sincere, that is the pure, the spiritual uh, milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. But you need to understand our standard of spiritual growth and development isn't other believers. Now that might be the case when you take your child in. They say, oh, well, your child, according to these uh, standards of the charts, you're comparing the percentile of all the different children where they should be weight-wise and all these other things. But that's not the way it is spiritually. Who is to be our standard? Jesus. That's exactly right. And so I'm, you know, we could say, oh, well, I'm in the 90th percentile. I'm doing okay compared to all these other Christians. But that's not how we do the spiritual checkup. Uh, our standard is Jesus Christ himself. Back in Ephesians chapter 4, I don't think I read these verses, did I? I got to talking so quick. 
But let's, let's read these scriptures here. Ephesians 4, starting at verse 11, and we'll go down to verse 16. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Still, we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which uh, every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working and the measure of every part, maketh inner increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. And so uh, here in, in verse 13 of our text, where uh, we are mature, when we, are, we become a perfect man, did you see that? A perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now, uh, who is perfect? Nobody on this earth, but who is the one, that, the only one that really walked this earth that was perfect is Jesus. He is our standard, and that's the point here. Jesus Christ is our standard, um, the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We will never reach that level of perfection on this earth. One day we will be like him, but until then, uh, we're fighting this old nature. But Jesus Christ himself is our standard. So we're talking about growing. We're talking about becoming more Christ-like. So how do we gauge this then? Uh, how do we know if we are putting away childish things, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, and conforming ourselves to the image of Christ, as he says in Romans 8, 29. How do we know that we're putting away childish things, that, that we're, we're uh, conforming to the image of Christ, uh, as Paul wrote there? Uh, I mean, you, you can't um, monitor a spiritual baby's growth as you would a physical baby's growth, uh, you, you know, the same way that they do. You can't uh, weigh or, or measure one's soul. And so it's hard, you know, how, we, how do we do that? Um, well, I, I'm, I shared a lot of points, or I'm going to share a lot of points from a book, the book entitled The Miracle of Life Change. And this gives us the evidence of what is manifested in one's life that shows that they are developing, that they are growing and maturing as a Christian. So the first evidence of developing spiritually, spiritual maturity is number one, doctrinal stability. I don't think this could be any more important than it is today. This is what Paul is talking about in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 16 when he said this, Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Be careful that you know the doctrine. Continue in them. In what? The doctrine. Uh, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Now, in this verse here, Paul is reminding us that one way that we can know a person is growing or one way we can know ourselves that we are growing in Christ's likeness is if we have a settled knowledge in the written word of God. We have a knowledge of God's word. If we are in indeed maturing, that means we have studied 
the Bible. We've studied enough to have a firm grasp, at least on the basic spiritual doctrines uh, of the Word of God and the essential beliefs of the Christian faith. That should be a very simplistic thing that we have at least arrived to that level if we've been saved at any length of time. We've read the Bible, not just for information, but we've read the Bible for transformation. That's what we need to strive for. Uh, so in other words, we're allowing the Word of God to dwell in us richly. We're allowing the Word of God to transform us. When we see what the Bible says, we apply that truth to our life. We do uh, what the Word of God says. And, and so the, uh, the truths that, um, you know, with the truths that we gather from the Word of God in our study and our, our growth, it, it's going to become a part of our thinking. It affects the way we think. Uh, it, it's going to be a part of our convictions, where, what we stand on. And as a result, you'll find a maturing Christian. Paul puts it um, in verse 14 there. Look at, the, look at that if you would again. We are no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight or the trickery, that's what that word means, trickery of men, and cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive. So Paul is using the example here of children uh, because as, you know, any, any parent knows, when we are little, when we are physically immature, we are notoriously fickle. I mean, think about it. Small children, uh, their attention span is not that long. It may be, you know, you, you're going on five minutes, they're so fascinated with one thing, and all of a sudden it switches, and now they're off to another thing. And then five minutes after that, they're off to another thing. Their attention span is, is very short, and uh, all, all you need to do is think about the toys, you know. I have to have this toy. They get that toy, won't be long, they're tired of that one. They want the newest thing out there, or a game, or whatever it may be. And so they're, uh, uh, you know, as that uh, child is, uh, is maturing, but they're at that stage in life when that's the way it is. And here's something else Paul reminds us about kids. Kids can be easily fooled. I'm not trying to be uh, unkind. We only, uh, let's see. I guess we can be unkind since it's only you, Dallas. And uh, we'll pick on you. No, I, we're not trying to say kids are dumb. But it is true. Maybe uh, they are more gullible. They, they more believe, they want to believe what uh, others say. And so you know, you've probably taken advantage of a child, at least in trying to kid them, tease them, and uh, about something but kids are easily fooled it's a, a very fairly simple to deceive a child and and if, if any of you uh, again you, you you know dallas please understand we're not putting any you you down at all okay but uh I, i'm just pointing out this is part of what it means to be a child uh i know dallas you're in your mind you're thinking well that leaves me out i'm not a child uh but uh, it, it's it's why you know uh, why children need parents uh, that have, that should be mature, uh, to guide them, to protect them from those. Look, what are some things that you were told as a child not to do? Um, say, for instance, concerning strangers. Were you told not to do anything? What? Yeah, 
You, you don't get, oh, he's got a nice car. He's off me right. Sure, I'll get in the car with him. No, you've been told don't do that. Don't take candy from a stranger. Don't, don't uh, distrust every stranger that comes down the pipe. Um, why? Because they, uh, those people are preying on the uh, easiness it is, the easy part of deceiving a child. And that's what they're trying to do, to harm that child. So a parent, that's what God gives us parents for, to guide and to protect us. And isn't it a shame that so many families, their parents haven't even matured? And uh, they're not able to uh, protect their children because they're not even able to protect themselves. But uh, Paul uses this characteristic of, of children to communicate that very sad fact that a lot of adults don't grow out of the aspects of being a child. Some adults are still very childlike. And, uh, and, and yet, those childlike adults are raising children. And it's a sad, sad but true fact. And so they are easily manipulated. They are very gullible. And without a doctrinal base, they believe anything that comes down the road. That's why it's so easy for a lot of these Jehovah Witnesses to go in, or Mormons. They go in, and they're very deceptive. They'll hit on points that everyone would agree with, especially like the Mormons. Talk about family. Well, who doesn't agree with that? Yeah, the strong strength in the family, the roles of the family members. And then they start their Bible study, and they try to, they'll deceive these people because they're easy to deceive. They're easily manipulated. Why is that? Because they don't know the word of God and so without a doctrinal base they are easily deceived so this this their spiritual health suffers and and as they begin to be deceived by the popular beliefs and the strange ideas in our day and age the lifestyles that can be found in our sin sick world that's why you have some who call themselves Christians and they believe some of the strangest things or or they're just gullible to even a lot of the things that are coming down from the, some of the uh, politicians. And uh, this, uh, uh, for instance, the racist, you know, everything, everything's racist now. And in fact, they were trying to say that abortion is racist. And, uh, they, but the truth of the matter is, there's more black babies being murdered than there are whites. So how does that make a, a pro-life people abortion, or, uh, racist? But, but that's when they cease becoming like Jesus Christ when they're not doctrinally stable. I heard a story, I thought this was interesting, I, uh, several years ago, there was a group of students that was touring the uh, zoo in Cairo, Africa, and everyone was having a great time, they were looking at all the animals when they came to the uh, zebra enclosure. And at this point, one student, who was obviously, he, he was grounded in the doctrine of zoology, and as he looked into that zebra enclosure, he realized that the zebras, they are not zebras at all. In fact, he figured out that these animals were nothing more than just donkeys painted. And uh, he saw the smudges on their nose. He realized this was, he took pictures, it, put it online. Of course, it went viral. Is that what they call it? Uh, went viral and everybody saw these pictures. It's probably still out there somewhere. These uh, donkeys, I guess they were white donkeys painted with black stripes. And, but that's not the first time this has happened. Um, he, uh, I read there was apparently the, uh, similar things that happened uh, in zoos around the world. 
uh, an Italian circus once tried to pass off this painted dog as a panda. And in a Tibetan zoo, they claimed to have a mastiff dog there, but they claimed that this mastiff dog was actually an African lion. And, uh, but the worst was a zoo in southern China where they had a penguin enclosure. They had inflatable penguins, and several of them were flat. Uh, so I think it was pretty easy for even the dumbest person, hey, this isn't quite right. But uh, we are, look, without the knowledge of God's word, my point is, you know, people are deceived all the time in the world. There are many out there trying to deceive. How many of you have received a phone call from, you knew it was a scam? Uh, somebody trying to raise money for the police department or trying to get this or that. And, and, and then when you start questioning them, they get mad or they hang up and, uh, because you know it's a scam then. But without the knowledge of God's word, and we're talking about just you know, regular things in the world, but without the knowledge of God's word, we can be easily deceived. How else can it be explained when a young person can go to a university who's come from a Christian home, who believes the word of God, and they go, they're there the first semester, and they're already doubting God even exists. They're not grounded. They do not have the knowledge of the word of God. And the tragedy is that many Christians don't mature for that very reason. They're not developing like they're supposed to because they don't have this knowledge of the word of God. And... Um, they uh, take their cues from the wisdom of the world, from uh, the nightly news, or from uh, their uh, sitcoms they watch. That's where they get their, their uh, wisdom from. Uh, or from, um, what's those uh, late night programs? Some of them. Well, there's some whacking wackos uh, going things, just crazy stuff going on. But honestly, that's where a lot of people, or what else is it? The uh, social media. Yeah. That's where they get their wisdom. They're not grounded in the word of God, and, uh, and they, they fall uh, uh, in the traps of this, these, these deceitful traps of the world. Um, in fact, the word slight there in Ephesians 4 refers to the skill in manipulating dice. So too many believers are tricked. They fall into these schemes that the devil has out there, these traps. They're not grounded, so they're always up, uh, you know, they're, they don't know uh, what they believe or why they believe it. And they're always up for the latest spiritual fad. Some crazy things out there under that category uh, being called a spiritual fad that comes down the pike, even if it involves a belief that is contrary to Scripture. Yeah, but everybody's doing it. It's the end thing. Boy, it's... Um, you know, they got that popular band. It's Christian. They mentioned Jesus twice in it. Maybe so. In fact, maybe they are. I, I, look, I have my own views on music, but, um, and I'm not saying every uh, contemporary music band that they're ungodly and wicked people. I'm, no doubt there are some that are believers and that are living for the Lord in, in their way, trying to do their best. I still disagree with some of their music. But there are also some out there who are totally deceived and they have they're the furthest from they're being used to deceive and uh, so too many believers are tricked they they fall to these schemes uh, it reminds me of a uh, a cartoon i i saw about a pastor he's sitting behind his desk and 
and uh, he, he's, his mouth is open wide like he's in shock as one of his members is looking at him telling, Pastor, I just read in the horoscope, in my horoscope, that you should preach on false doctrine. And as if that should be our guide. Uh, what, so don't, don't, please don't send me any emails about the horoscope, what it says and how, or Pastor, I got this fortune cookie and it said that, you know, this is going to happen or I should do this. We, maybe we should incorporate that into the church. No. All kidding aside, though, the adversary, the devil, he's very clever. He's very deceptive. And he disguises himself. But uh, just like we talked about this morning, he comes as an angel of light. And, uh, and he, will, uh, he may be a very beautiful woman or, or use a very handsome man. Uh, whatever he can do to deceive a believer. Uh, so what we need, what we need more than we ever have is young people, adults who are doctrinally stable, who are not going to be tossed about with every wind of doctrine that comes along. And we must heed Paul's warning. If you're, uh, you're not far from there, go to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4, the Apostle Paul writes here, and he's warning us here. He says in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 2. Remember, this is just hours before his death. And this is what's on his heart. And he's not only preaching or teaching Timothy here, or writing to him, but he's to all believers. This is God's inspired word. Look at verse 2, 2 Timothy 4, verse 2. He says this, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Um, now, you know how we, we need some individuals that are solid in their understanding of the Word of God, that uh, are, are doctrinally stable and are not going to be. Um, easily deceived uh, and, you know we we are Paul talks about there will come a time when people are not going to want to hear sound doctrine they want the preacher or the teacher to, to tickle their ears to tell them what they want to hear so yeah you can talk about the love of God you can talk about heaven but don't mention hell and don't mention sin uh, that's too uh, that doesn't go over too well in the social media and all this and all that. And, uh, I'm just saying we need to have an understanding of the Word of God that we will not be deceived, that we're not going to be in that crowd that wants to tickle the ear. We want the real thing. We want God's Word. And uh, so we are, um, how, how are you doing that first checkup here? How are you doing when it comes to being doctrinally stable? Uh, would you judge yourself as someone who is doctrinally stable? Uh, there's no reason for a Christian in whatever situation they find themselves in to be so easily deceived because we should be grounded. We should know. Uh, are you well grounded in the Word of God? This is for yourself. Do you regularly, regularly, systematically study the Bible uh, alone in your personal devotions? Um, do you attend Sunday school class uh, where you study the Scriptures uh, with other believers and that's important are you stable doctrinally such that you can rightly divide the word of truth uh, as Paul exhorted Timothy in 2nd Timothy 2 15 
as a tool for dealing with erroneous teachings, false teachings? Uh, do you know it well enough to use it to rebuke, to correct, and uh, false beliefs, as Paul told Timothy? If a Jehovah Witness comes to your door, knocks on your door, and you greet them, and, and they tell you that Jesus Christ was not God in the flesh, would you be able to say, well, actually, Jesus was uh, God in the flesh. And taken to John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and show them right there. And then in verse 14, and the Word, Jesus, was made flesh and dwelt among us. And, and indicate that is Jesus. Would you be able to, to uh, 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 tell them what you believe? Would you be able to answer some questions from a guy or a lady at work that comes and says, what about this? Uh, what, where, where did we come from? Uh, what about, uh, is God real? And uh, whatever questions, what about the Bible? Where did we get the Bible? Isn't that just a bunch of men's writings there? And, and so that's where we need to be doctrinally stable where we can answer those questions or give an answer when we are asked. If we, and by the way, there are going to come times we, we may not know the answer. So don't just try to, you know, uh, pull the wool over their eyes. Say, oh, yeah, this, no. Go back, do some studying, and get back with them. And let them know. I don't know. I, 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 that's a good question. Let me get back with you, and I'll have an answer for you. Then Roman number two, we're, we're going to just start on this. We're not going to get very far. But uh, not only doctrinally, doctrinal stability, but another, a second indicator of spiritual health is authentic relationships. And I, I thought this was really good here. Paul refers to this uh, aspect of our spiritual checkup there in verse 15. Look at verse 15 of our text. He says, but speaking the truth in what? In love may grow up uh, into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Now, don't miss this. This is very important, the word combination here. Uh, Paul says the kind of relationships that, that indicate and promote spiritual health involve truth and love. Truth and love. He says we need those kind of friendships. Friendships are so important. Now, we often talk about bad friends, how they can uh, pull us down spiritually, but we want to take some time here tonight and mention how important it is to have good friends um, that will help us to grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. So Paul's talking about uh, telling hard truth to someone, uh, truth that they need to hear. That's not always easy, is it? But that's a real friend. A real friend who will confront us with a real problem that's in our life and uh, is not afraid to uh, discuss these, uh, these important issues. So this kind of truth-telling is, what did Paul say, how, what is it motivated by? Tell the truth in love. Love. That's what the motivating factor is. That true friend is not trying to put you down, not trying to criticize you so he can make you look worse than he or she. No, their whole motivation is love. And that ought to be our motivation as a, tr a friend because truth without love, that can be harsh. 
We've all known people who speak the truth that didn't really seem to have much love. And boy, it comes across. Maybe we've all been guilty of that at one point. Our intentions were to uh, not be that way, but it came across uh, pretty harsh, uh, judgmental, uh, legalistic, unforgiving, when you have truth without love. And so they, they can speak the truth, but only mature, healthy, authentic believers speak truth with love. And that is so important that we understand that uh, tonight. And we're, we're talking about genuine love here, love because love without truth is not real love at all. Uh, love without truth condones sin. Well, I love them so much that I, I'm not going to tell my children they can't do that. I know it's wrong, but I want to be their friend. Well, that's, that's not really love. Um, yeah, because truth is not, uh, our love without truth is not uh, real love at all. Just condoning. And that's what too many, or happens too often. It's actually unloving not to tell someone the truth that they need to hear. I'm reminded of this often uh, on the times I've seen some of these talent shows. And you have people who get on these programs thinking that they're the best singer that ever walked the face of this earth. And they can't carry a tune in the bucket. And they're awful. And yet, they really believe because there are people around them saying, oh, you sound great. You sound Look, I want to be an encourager for sure. And uh, so if, if you're off key, praise God, sing in church. That's great. But I'm not going to encourage someone who really can't carry a tune. You know what? You, you ought to really get up and you know, shoot for the stars. Go all the way and, and sing out there. Just let it rip. Uh, no, they need to be told the truth. Yeah, we appreciate your singing, but uh, professionally, I just don't think you're going to be able to do that. Somebody has to tell them the truth. But there's more serious things in life than that. And, and we need uh, the authentic kind of friendship, that a relationship where we're going to be able to not only tell the truth in love, but also be able to receive that truth in love, knowing that that's my friend. No, they're not telling me this because they're trying to hurt me or because they're trying to criticize me. They're telling me this because they love me, and that makes a big difference. So it's actually unloving not to tell someone the truth that they need to hear. Would you consider it unloving for a doctor who knows the truth about your health condition to just say, don't worry, everything is okay? No, I, I would say that would be uh, malpractice uh, for them to do that, but definitely not love. I mean, when, when members of a church family truly love one another, they speak up when a brother or sister, um, maybe they uh, need some correcting. When they see someone making bad decisions, they are able to go to that friend and say, listen, I, you know, I see what's happening here. I, I want to let you know I love you, but this is going to hurt you. It's going to hurt your family, and it's, it's going to ruin your testimony." Uh, have you thought this out? Have, is this, can you honestly say this is what God wants you to do? Uh, so a love that is not based in truth is not really love, but really it's just phony emotion. Someone once uh, summed it up this way, truth without love is brutality, but love without truth is hypocrisy. Um, so are we able to confront that person? Look, it's not easy. We have to pray about it. We have to seek God's face and his wisdom 
And yes, there's going to be that fear. This could cost me that friendship. But what's more important here? That that person be uh, warned about the danger that they're in and uh, helped to try to get back to where they should be. Uh, you know, uh, whether it be in a marriage relationship or whether it be um, a person that's beginning to do some compromising at work, and that's a friend, a fellow believer, and uh, are we able to talk to them, tell them the truth? When maturing believers see the need for that one-on-one -on -one encounter, it's not an easy thing. Uh, there's going to be not in the stomach. I mean, it's, there's, there's going to be, we, we, we may lose sleep over it because we're trying to practice over and over what we're going to say. What our motivation is, is love. That's what it should be as a Christian. That's why we're approaching this person because we know that what they may be contemplating, what they may be doing, is going to hurt themselves and those around them and the, the church as well. So if you're a maturing believer, you you're the kind of friend that somebody's going to say one day, five years down the road, maybe at first they get mad, but one day they're going to say, you know what, I sure thank God for so-and-so who was able to confront me about a bad decision I was about to make or I was uh, already making, and they confronted me, that saved my life. That saved my testimony. That saved my family. You see, that kind of thing doesn't happen by people who just tell everybody what they want to hear. True love will speak up, uh, but our, our, our truth in, telling the truth in love. And that's, the, that's the key. And so if, um, it, and, and one of the things thing that indicates spiritual health is our ability to welcome individuals that speak the truth in love to them. Uh, think about it, whatever it may be. Uh, you know, I remember the old preacher who always said to uh, the young preacher, now listen, before you get up and preach, make sure you check your tie, check your fly, and check your nose. So um, I forgot to do that. <laughs> but, uh, I, I, but, you know, if there's, that's, there's really simple things. But we should be glad to receive someone that comes to us and say, listen, uh, maybe they misunderstood, but their heart, their intention was that they did this out of love. They wanted to be a help. And so let's not throw up those defensive walls and say, bless God, do you know who I am? You know, I'm, I've been a Christian for 50 years. I know, well, wait a minute. Uh, can, a, can a Christian that's been, a person that's been saved for 50 years, can they still make a mistake? Yes. They can be deceived. So thank God for friends who are, who are willing to point that out and enough to, to keep us on the right road. Thank God, and we ought to be that kind of friend. Our motivation is love to try to keep that person right. Let me uh, just wrap this up. Uh, there one one uh, commentator said, my most painful experiences have been when I have had a problem and no one loved me enough to tell me about it. They all ignored it. So to be healthy, to grow, we, we both need the kinds of friends who will tell us hard truth, what we need to hear. And uh, we need to be that kind of friend to others as well. We need these kind of authentic friendships, not just surface relationships. Um, how you doing? Fine. Okay, great. And uh, where we just, it's, there's not a real uh, relationship there. 
and not telling them everything they want to hear. You know, I'm about to do this, and oh yeah, you should, that's great, that's fine. Yeah, you have, you, you have a right to do that. Uh, but tell them, even if it's hard, if it's truth, the truth in love. So ask God, look, if you don't have those kind of friends, ask God to give you those kind of friends. And that uh, you'll have people that love you that are going to tell you the truth and save you from a lot of heartache. So we're going to look at some other things here next time, but we'll stop right there. But this, uh, this matter, a spiritual health checkup, how, is, how are you in the area of doctrinal stability? Uh, how are you in the area of authentic friendship? I mean, will you accept that kind of friend? Or if someone came to you and told you the truth in love, with a spirit of love, would you say, okay, I'm writing that person off because they are disagreeing with me. They're telling me I shouldn't do something. I'm not going to have that kind of friend. Well, listen, that means we're, we're, we're being deceived. We really are. And, and I'm not telling you, look, some friends may have it wrong sometimes. That's right. But they mean to, uh, to help. They, they have love in their heart, and they don't want to see you go down the wrong path. And, so, and then are we willing to be that? That's not an easy thing to do, but we ought to be willing to do that. Let's pray together. Father.